Silvanus and Timothy and I, it was not yes and no. But in him, it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That's why it's through them that we utter our amen to God for his glory. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Okay, so in trying to explain to them what's going on, he begins by pointing them to the Lord, which to me is what, that's what, like, that's what godly church leaders are supposed to do. So he doesn't even necessarily be, be like, well, he didn't get defensive. and it's like, Let me tell you about these people spreading rumors about me. He's like, no, let's, let's start by looking at the Lord. Because that, that verse, 18, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you is not been yes and no. And God, God is stable toward you. I almost feel like Paul, like what he really doesn't want is for them to question the Lord because of some circumstantial things and some rumors and stuff like that. He keeps pointing back to the Lord. Even in this, this, these few verses, he points to the Father and the Son and the Spirit. So like, he's like, that's, don't question that just because we're trying to work some like interpersonal things out here. As surely as God is faithful, our word has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim to you, and the we there is Silvanus and Timothy and Paul, Jesus Christ is not yes and no, but in him it's always yes. So what, is, what does that mean? It's that God is always for you. That God is not vacillating back and forth. He's not trying to make his mind up <clears throat> about us. You know? He's telling them, you, you don't need to question God's commitment to his word to you. Almost like the implication is like, <clears throat> like we're going to struggle as people. But let's not project that onto the Lord. Let's make that very clear. That God is always a yes to you. He is for your holiness. He is for your salvation. He is for your sanctification and growth. He is for your uh, the righteousness of your lives. He is for you in every way that he has said he is for you. That does not waver at all. Please do not question that. Verse 20, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. And to me, that's such a, like, such a powerful statement because if we were to think about not only the fact that God kept all His promises, but how He kept them, that all of those promises were kept like Jesus was the keeper of those. Like as you go through the, all of those prophecies, Jesus was the one fulfilling the promise that had been made in every single case. So if all the promises of God find their yes in him, it means that Jesus is going to be the one that fulfills everything that has been said and will be said. And so as we wait for him to keep his promises... We are looking forward and we're saying, well, how do I know those are going to happen? 
Well, because we look backwards and we say, because all those happened. And Jesus kept them all. Does God keep his promises? The answer is Jesus. I mean, it's yes, but it's Jesus. Paul says, and if that is good enough, he's given us his spirit as a guarantee. And those words get used in other places in the New Testament as well to speak almost, it's like a deposit, it's like a foreshadowing. Why would he put his spirit in you if he didn't have every intention of fulfilling what he said that he would do? And so he builds his response around the character of God, and he says, God is 100% for you, so I am 100% for you. That's why. He bases his entire argument, and what he's really saying is, I try to live in the shadow of the character of God, to be faithful. So when I say yes, I mean yes. When I say I'm going to do something, I do something. When I make a promise, I keep it. When I make a commitment, I follow through on it. Because God does that, and so that's what I'm doing with you. And the basis for all of that is Jesus himself. And that is why we talk in terms of hope being alive, is because, well, if Jesus is alive, then everything's on the table, right? Jesus is alive, anything can happen. If Jesus is alive and kept all of those initial promises with that advent, then the ones that he's made in the future really are not that crazy, are they? Because he's Jesus. And so as we wait, that's supposed to make us confident, not in ourselves, but in the maker and keeper of the promises. And so we live between these sets of promises, and obviously the world is full of all kinds of difficult things. And so we have, uh, during Advent, we... we We'll throw this Christmas party for this group home full of adults with chronic mental illness, meaning it will not get any better for them this side of that return. And they would be homeless otherwise. Most of their families have either handed them over and said it's too much or their families just don't have the resources or whatever it may be. There's all kinds of different stories. And it's hard to walk in that place. It's hard to sit down with them and ask them what they want for Christmas. It's hard to go in there and throw a potluck meal and bring some gifts and to walk away and feel like you put a dent in anything. Um, there's a hardness to that. On the 19th, we'll take up that offering. It's described in the, in the Advent Guide, an offering for a boys' home in Calcutta. It's a boys' and girls' home now. That's full of these, has all these children in there who would be homeless otherwise. Now, homelessness is one thing. Homeless children is a very different thing. And so a part of Advent is us being like, why, Lord, why do we have to have group homes for children who are living in the slums and fending for themselves and adults who have a, a situation that will never get any better? Why? Why do we have to do that? We know theologically where that comes from. We know that's the brokenness of our world showing up in these different ways. 
That's a part of Advent is we have to look that stuff in the face. We have to look ourselves in the mirror too and say, what about my own stuff I bring to the table? Like what? What about the fact that we live in a city that's filled with people who don't know that God loves them deeply? And that he wants to bless them and keep them, make his face to shine upon them and be gracious to them and lift up his countenance upon them and give them peace. They just don't know it. And we got to take it to them. And how do we... I can just keep going, obviously. That's a part, a part of the tension is that we're waiting in this mess. But at the same time, Jesus has brought to us goodness and mercy... Even the themes of the Advent candles, hope and love and joy and peace, like there's, they, those things are held in tension. And so part of what this season is about is us recognizing that both of those things exist. In between the arrivals, both of those things exist. And so Advent is supposed to break our hearts a little bit, and it's supposed to fill our hearts. It's supposed to do both. It's weird. It's beautiful, it's hard, um, it's a bunch of stuff at once. Our souls are big enough to be able to ex- feel different things, to feel that conflict and li- to live in that tension. But so much of it is, is us reminding each other the promises made and kept the first time, the promises made will be kept the second time. Don't give up, don't quit. Endure together. So yeah, so we throw a Christmas party, Mason. That's what we do. Because we're going to bring the kingdom in there. And it doesn't matter if we go in there and fix anything. We're not there to fix any of it. We're there to bring Christ close to them, make sure they know. We're going to fix anything at Hope of Life. We're there to help make sure that the gospel gets to those kids in that community. We're not here to fix any of this stuff. We're here to say, God, we're going to walk through it in faith. Because we know that you have made promises to us and you will keep them. And it doesn't really matter what our circumstances tell us. Your promises, your your life, you have just given us a better word than our circumstances can ever give us. And so in between those sets of promises... Where we find ourselves. And when we wonder, will, will Jesus, will he keep his word? Because it feels like a long time between the last one and now, doesn't it? And even his return, you have some people that are like, oh, it's any second now because this happened in the Middle East and all that kind of whatever. We really just don't know. Do things seem to be getting worse? Yeah, but it's been that way for a long time. We're, we're waiting. So what are we supposed to do when we wait? Well, part of it is when we wonder if he's going to keep his word, we remind each other that Jesus keeps his word. That's part of what happens in this season. And not that we try to bypass real life pain, but Jesus is always in the mix as we're trying to process things. As we're trying to push our way through it. 
And I loved what Jackie and Kyle had to say and just sharing of like going through a cancer diagnosis and treatments and all that. Uh, Jesus is in the mix for them. So there's like this, this kind of hope that is not, uh, let me just bypass all that. Let me just pretend like, oh, God's good all the time. I don't have to worry about anything. I say, no, he's good, but life is also hard. And until he makes everything new, that's just that's kind of how we live. Those two things hold hands. But one is greater than the other. Those are not two equal things. God being good and life being hard are not 50%. Right? One is greater than the other. And so a part of what we do is during this season is we we read the scriptures, we sing the songs, we remind one another to not only like look in our immediate, but we're looking back and we're looking forward. And we're pulling those things into the present. And so as we look forward, if, if you'll just humor me and let me just read the Bible a little bit. Uh, let me tell you some of the like some of the promises, and you can write some of these down. Here's some of the some of the promises made that he will keep, because it's who he is. The commitments that he has made that are worth reminding each other of. These are just uh, some off the list. Okay, there's certainly more. Philippians three twenty and twenty one. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. See, that should be enough right there. You know, There's so much power in those words. That's a commitment that He's made. The commitment of healing and transformation that he will make us like himself in those ways. Hebrews 10, 24-25 Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer of Hebrews understands that that the day, like we're longing for that day. Day of his return, the day of making all things new. Until then, how are we supposed to live? Well, this writer's summary would be stir up one another to love. Stir up one another to good works. Encourage one another. And do all of that while you meet together. So like, go to church. (laughs) Be an encouragement to other believers. Stir up one another to love and good works. Just do that, and then it says all the more as the day draws near. So as we're sensing, oh no, it's getting worse, it's getting worse. Yeah, so let's increase those things. That's what we're trying to do. That's how we wait. We don't wait and just tread water. We actively wait. John 14 This is Jesus speaking. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, 
that where I am, you may be also. Now, that's the best thing about the second coming. Sometimes we get real hung up on getting out of here, you know, in in terms of like these circumstances, breaking free from the pain and the, the sorrow and all the hard things. And yes, we need to break free from all that. We need to be able to put that in the rearview mirror 100%. But the best thing about the second coming is that last part right there. Where I am, you may be also. Like the unfiltered presence of Jesus. That's the goal. That's the point. With it does come relief from all the other stuff. And yes, we're with him now. He's with us now. And that relationship is solid and secure. But man, there's a veil between heaven and earth at this point. There will not be a veil when he returns. And there will not be one added after that. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the air and the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I told the first service, most of that passage might weird you out. Like that's kind of, that's like, huh. But the last part. We will always be with the Lord. Don't let the rest of it distract you from the goodness of that. Revelation twenty two twenty, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. That's in red letters in your Bible. And the response is, Amen, which means it is true. Come, Lord Jesus. So our response to all of this is, we believe you. We are ready. And until the time is right, we're going to be faithful. We just need to be reminded of that sometimes. Speaks in 1 Peter of our inheritance that is there in Second Peter. Second Peter three thirteen. According to his promise, we're waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Revelation twenty one. Heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Are we crazy to base our lives on all this? I think the answer to that is just simply Jesus. Like, all the promises have found their yes in him. Like he, he is worth the waiting. It's not just about what we get out of it. I always fear for myself that I, that my longing for his return is self-centered. You know, I just want escape. 
I'm just tired of, you know, whatever it is. Like, I want it to be purely driven by, like, that relationship with him. And for me, Advent helps, like, helps remind me of that. But it can be distracting sometimes, too, because as you start to look around, you're like, man, this, like, you just can't wait for, for that. So until then, like in between the Advents, we just wait. And we pray those prayers of Jesus, come quickly. How long, O Lord? Come, Lord Jesus. Like the, that's, that's a part of who we are. And when, when that becomes our a part of our response to life being crazy or life being good or whatever it may be. When, when that just becomes a part of how we think and how we operate, when we're, we're thinking about both advents, we're thinking about all those promises made and all those promises kept, we're thinking about the character of God and him preparing a place for us, like, as that becomes more and more just a part of like, how we approach every situation, I think it means we're doing it right. And that's what the New Testament writers are trying to help us understand is that is that you, you can't just bury your head in the present. It's we are basing it on a God's track record of faithfulness and the promises that He's made ahead of us, and we pull all that together. And that tells us how we walk through a cancer diagnosis. That's how we walk through uh the the change of a job or the loss of a loved one or the like financial up and downs that life brings our way. That's how we walk into Mason and throw a party. That's how we help hope of life. That's why we bring into the world around us, like into this painful world, we bring into them this incredible thing called hope, which is alive because that's a promise that Jesus has made and will keep himself so this undoubtedly reaches into all of our lives because we uh, we're waiting together between the advents, and so that I hope that today, between all the songs and all the verses, Jackie and Kyle, anything maybe I muttered, <laughs> that there's like some direction for us in the next couple of weeks. As we journey together, this devotional is meant to help us unite as we go forward in this and just basically come before the Lord and say, well, what do you want to teach us? Keep making us in the kind of people that that don't lose sight of what's ahead. And then we pull the past and the present into our future. And so wherever that reaches into life for you, I hope that you'll steward it and hope that you would hope the same for me. So let's stand together as our musicians come back. We're going to do what we normally do in terms of not rushing out right out of here, you know. So this is a time to sing and a time to pray and a time to just process what God may be stirring within you. Um, I'll say this as well, that if you if you are here and all this talk of relationship with the Lord and the future and all this, if all this is new to you, um, and you have questions, or you even just aren't sure where you stand in relationship to the Lord, I'd invite you to stick around when we're done. I'll be right down here. And uh, if it looks like people are uh, 
crowded around too much, don't get discouraged. Just kind of elbow your way through. Come to me. And uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. There's other folks here as well. So let me pray for us during this time. Everyone just interact with the Lord a little bit before we go. Because, you know, once we dismiss everything, life starts to stack up, right? So let's just enjoy the peacefulness of this time. Lord, thank you for giving us time together this this morning and um, for the various ways that you've brought this theme out. And uh, we just want to grab on to whatever it is you have for us. Um, So help us to be humble and to be teachable. Those aren't things we can manufacture on our own. And so in these moments as we sing or pray or whatever we need to do in response with you, pray that you would have your way among us.